one, two, three. This is Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Todd Bowles. Hey, that's a hell of a job coming down here being a good football team. Three-step drop, throws to the end zone. Caught ball, touchdown Tampa Bay. Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. Brought to you by Advent Health. No matter what helps you feel whole, swimming, laughing, or finding peaceful moments in your day, Advent Health is here to support you with world-class expertise and whole-person care. Because feeling whole always begins at AdventHealth.com. Fire the cannons! Now your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips and head coach Todd Bowles. Welcome to the Todd Bowles Show. Casey Phillips here with head coach Todd Bowles. First of all, uh, congratulations on the win, and, and just tell us a little bit about what you feel like this one in particular meant to the team. It meant a lot because of all the people hurt, I think, with all the guys down, the young guys that stepped up and the guys that stepped in, like J.J. Russell and Ryan Neal, obviously, they made plays. They made plays, and they fought, and each guy made a play when they had to, whether it was the offense with a big play with Mike, special teams with Hayes, defense with Winfield coming up with plays at the end, and they made play after play after play. And, you know, that really showed the team coming together. That's great. And, yeah, I mean, I feel like we got to have a whole show basically dedicated to Mike at this point for what all he did. Um, so, of course, the big one was his 10th straight 1,000-yard season, which extends his own record to start the career. And then now he's tied with Randy Moss for the second most straight of those at any point in your career behind only Jerry Rice. When you're using names like Randy Moss and Jerry Rice around it, you know that's quite a, quite a stat line. Um, what did that record in particular mean in terms of as you've watched – and been around the NFL for all these people, and to see that Mike's name is now in a category like that, what does that mean? Not only that, but to do it with one team. You know, now you get to the time where it's four or five years, you go to a different team. He's been on the same team his whole career, and he's had quite a few different quarterbacks that he's done it with, so that makes it even more remarkable. And to be mentioned with Jerry, who I think is the greatest of all time, and Randy right there, you know, that that's, that's rare air. That's very rare air. And speaking of air, he got some air on that touchdown. I felt like it made me think of the MJ <laughs> stretching and Space Jam moment. I mean, he's taken off from the four. So take us through that touchdown. And, again, I'm sure there are just not that many people in the league that could have done that play. I don't think they could have stretched out like him because he's like 6'5". And when he stretched out, it looked like he stretched out on the four. I think they thought he went out of bounds, but when he got the ball over on the replay, it was clearly a touchdown. He made a heck of an athletic effort. Yeah, he's now tied for the 13th most touchdown receptions in NFL history. There are just so many stats like that at this point. Um, And in this game, I mean, 162 yards, uh, he was the offense for so much of the game. Um, What were the biggest things that you felt like looking at this game and this matchup as why this was a Mike game and why he stepped up in such a big way for this one? Ooh, lately every game has been a Mike game, but, you know, he, he competes and he, he, he really studies tape and he, him and Baker really have this thing where they're on the same page where he can hit him right out of a break and he can keep running and take off and run. His yak yards have really picked up this year. I'm really happy about how he's embraced the season, the shape he came back in and the tenacity in which he approaches every game. You can't say enough about him. Yeah, he now has five catches of 40-plus yards this season, which is the third most in the NFL. Um, How has the explosive play part of the game come along, especially between him and Baker, and then, like you said, what he has done? What what has progressed in that area, and then what has that meant to the offense, knowing you guys have that in your arsenal? I think his his routes have progressed into not knowing what he's going to do because he, he's running a lot more different routes. He's more versatile now than he was early in his career. 
granted he had a lot of big plays then i think he's embraced running different routes and doing different things so his yak yards are picked up but it's really kept defenses on their toes not knowing what he's going to do and figure them out and when they think one thing he does another thing and it's, it's really worked out for us and rashad had uh, 84 yards rushing including a 30 yarder uh, what stood out to you about his game the tough runs. They were really the tough runs because there weren't much running room all day, but he really was falling forward almost every time. I think he only had like one negative run out of the bunch. Wasn't getting great yards, but he's getting positive yards. And again, he caught the ball in space and made a play out of it, but he's really playing fast. He's really playing tough. And uh, how important did he end up being, especially due to the weather and the rain early on? It was great. They took care of the football. You know, he took care of the football. He didn't put it on the ground. He got the tough runs, like I said. And when you can get the tough runs and fall forward, you can live with third down, getting positive yardage. We saw for both teams, obviously, during the, the part where there was rain, offenses were stalling a little bit, a lot of three and outs, a whole lot of punts in this game. Um, I know that you're never going to allow rain or weather to be something you guys use as an excuse, but it is going to impact the game in a lot of ways. What did you see as how it impacted the offense in particular and the ways that they tried to kind of combat that? I don't think it impacted us. It impacted everybody on the field. So you have to prepare for these games and you plan them as kids. So the fact that we hadn't had a really a wet ball game this year and it caught us in the middle kind of impacted us a little bit as far as play action pass was concerned. But I th again, I thought the tough runs and the short passing game held up well and we didn't turn it over. Uh, what did you see from Baker in this game? We had the one turnover, obviously, but Baker played winning football. He knows where to go with the football. Uh, he was on a little bit of the rest, but I thought the old line did a good job blocking for him. We got to make some plays down the field in the second half once the rain subsided. And, you know, we finished the ball game. He put us in the right plays. He got us in position. He's our leader on offense, and we follow him. I know that Chris uh, Godwin was a game-time decision, had gotten added to the injury report this last week with a neck injury, um, but he ends up getting a touchdown, his second career rushing one, um, but he didn't have any catches. So how much was it his health kind of limiting him? And then just overall, what did he still mean to this team being able to go out there and fight through that injury? Just having him out there, we weren't really expecting him to play. Just having him out there was a big plus. We know he's banged up, but for him to get that run and get that touchdown for us was big for us and him. He passed Jimmy Giles for the fourth most touchdowns from scrimmage in franchise history. Wow. Uh, I know, right? Quite a quite a stat, quite a person to pass as well. Um, what has he done well in terms of being able to get touchdowns in, obviously, multiple different ways and, and kind of the weapon he's been in that area when you saw that touchdown? Chris is like Mike. He plays the game in practice every day. He, he prepares physically. He prepares mentally. There's nothing he's not ready for. He's mentally tough. He's physically tough. Uh, and Jimmy Giles is one of my favorite players from way back when. And to, to pass that or to tie that right now, that, that that's huge. And uh, I know Palmer got a couple catches. He had that 13-yard gain on a run. He would have had another pretty decent gain that got called back from a penalty. How do you see him developing as a, a third wide receiver option? It's coming along. The game slowed down for him mentally. Uh, he's understanding where he needs to be. His penalties have cut down. Uh, his drops have cut down to a degree. And he's really playing with a lot of confidence right now. Playing with a lot of confidence allows them to play very fast. You mentioned the offensive line earlier. What did you see from their game overall, especially that helped produce? This was a, a season high in rushing yards for you guys as an offense. What did you see that uh, helped them put up a number like that? I thought Tristan really bounced back from last week. Uh, I know he's banged up too, but he really put on a good show. He played very physical football. 
the interior continues to play good football and Luke continues to play good football. So, you know, we keep chipping away at the run game. We're getting better and better each week. And, you know, we broke the one at the end when we had to have it on third and one. And that was a credit to the O-line. Casey Phillips here with head coach Todd Bowles. Um, man, your defense, you had everybody beat up. You actually said to me after the game when you saw me, of you were worried you were going to put me in there. I was I was concerned for the same thing. I was ready for future reference. I was ready. That's good. Um, you guys still held them to 3 of 15 on third down, second lowest third down conversion rate you've allowed all year. First of all, that started out as a, a weaker spot early, the, those first seven games or so of the season. And then now these last five games just been an incredible strength for you guys. What specifically seems to have changed on third down? We're not giving up the third and long yardage and we're getting off the field on third and one. You know, third and short is to your disadvantage, but those guys have been coming up making plays, play after play after play, and they, they've made some big third down stops this game. Yeah, and again, you guys held them to the fourth fewest yards you've allowed all season, and you guys are 4-0 when you're allowing less than 300 yards, and you did it again with just so many injuries. What stands out to you about just your defense as a whole, what you're proud of as a coach, what you're proud of, of, of as the players? Just the next man up mentality. Guys are mentally prepared to play and step in when needed. You know, I can't say enough about Ryan and JJ, the way they played. Zion's been playing great for us all year. Uh, the D-line came up. The guys staying together and playing together, really kind of rounding out everything and cutting out the mistakes, understanding what they know they have to do to win the ball game. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to have a lot of injuries at this point in the season. It's another to have them so concentrated in one position. I mean, if I had told you ahead of time, okay, you're not going to have Levante or Devin or Servassier going into the game, and then fairly quickly you're going to lose a fourth one. You're only going to have one inside linebacker dressed for the game. Um, what is that mean for your defense? What did that mean for trying to game plan throughout the week when I'm sure you didn't quite know how many guys would or wouldn't be available? How did you try to manage all of that when it comes to the game plan and what you're calling on defense? You try to put in certain packages and move people around so they're not exposed when they're in there. And you play a cat and mouse game and it's a chess game and you constantly do that. I thought the guys did an excellent job executing and the young guys are not young anymore. They're playing with more experience as the games go on, and they're playing with confidence. And the inside linebacker position is usually who wears the mic that can hear all of your calls. So what was the progression of decision of, okay, well, it's not going to be these guys wearing it, and then it's going to be this, and then it's going to be this. How many different people ended up wearing it? How many people did you have plans to wear it? And it how went did that go? from KJ to JJ, and it was going to go from JJ to Ryan after that point. You know, if JJ would have gotten hurt, it would have been two safeties playing linebacker. That probably would have been Merriweather and, and Ryan right there. But, you know, the communication was good. JJ didn't miss a beat. You know, he hears us every day. Ryan's around the DBs every day, and he's around me all the time. So he understands the calls. He just never played it from that position before. But he's a heady guy. He figured it all out on the field. Coach Foot did a great job coaching him up on the sideline. And those guys stuck together. Yeah, and explain what exactly you did with Ryan Neal of what he was asked to do different than normal and how impressive it was what he was able to do in this situation. Well, he played linebacker. <laughs> that, was, that was what he was asked to do, play linebacker and play the run and play the pass and get his own drops and blitz some and cover some and understand the defense and understand the scheme and fit right in. He's normally a safety, whether he's back deep or outside. He's not in the fray as much. But he did a heck of a job. I remember when we got him from Seattle, I seen some plays with him in there. So I kind of knew he was a heady guy in there and he could figure it out. I just didn't know to what degree. And he played over 50-something snaps at linebacker. He did a heck of a job for us. He had a big 
Uh, third down stop inside the red zone where he tackled him, held him to a field goal. I mean, he made some he made some big plays. And speaking of big plays, per usual, Antoine Winfield Jr. cranking him out. So eight tackles, two for loss, three passes defensed, a sack, an interception. He became just the third player since these stats became available to record that stat line. Just three. Oh. Yeah. Um, why is he able to put – It's because there's a lot of good safeties in the league. But to put together a stat line like that with so many different categories, why is he that guy that is doing that so often? Of You can make a lot of good plays as a safety but not have a stat line like that. I think the way we use him and move him around, he's never in the same place. So he has a chance to fill out the stat sheet. But his study habits during the week, uh, the way he practices, the way he watches film, the way he gets better every day throughout the season is, is unbelievable. And he plays the game like that. So when he comes into the game, he understands when he has to make plays, how he has to make plays, and he goes and makes them. And then I know he got his sack, his third of the season, 12th of his career. So it's also his 18th QB hit since 2020, which is tied for the most in the NFL by a defensive back. And his 12th sack, which is also the most by a defensive back. So specifically when it comes to sacks, quarterback pressures, and hits, what does he do so well there that lets you put him, like you said, in all those different positions and, and put him in a position to be affecting the quarterback? He's one of the few DBs that can – get blocked while he's blitzing and know how to get off a block. He's very savvy that way. He can run over you or he can set you up and run around you or dip underneath you. He's very savvy in setting up his blocks when he is blitzing. He has the right feel for it. you got to have a knack for that. You can't teach that. How about to the play? You mentioned a little bit about your defensive front. Um, who were some of the guys that stood out to you from your defensive line and outside linebackers in the game? I thought Canty did a great job getting pressure all day. He's becoming a very good pressure player inside. His quickness and his power catches them off guard every time. I thought Yaya chased the ball very well uh, to move that tackle back some. He's very strong on the point, and I, sh I thought Shaq held the edge, and Joe was very active for us. And, you know, Nelson's stats didn't show, but he handled the tight end and took care of a few running plays for us. I think all of them helped out uh, all game long. I was thinking about with Mike getting all of these records and these things that are going to be sort of the, in the NFL history books, and you've been around the NFL for a really long time, both as a player and a coach. Is this one of those situations that you find yourself thinking you're just so happy that you got to even watch and be a part of? And it made me wonder, what are some of those other players, stats, experiences that you've gotten to say that I was there for this or I got to watch this or be a part of this that stands out to you? Mike reminds me of Art Monk a little bit back when I played. Art had a ton of stats but he didn't get all the credit he was due but Mike Mike is one of those players that if you watch him you learn to appreciate it while you have him because you know they're hard to come by and just over the course of time of being around very good players I appreciate what I have that I see in him and every day I'm thankful just to watch him play because not just to coach him but to watch him play because it's, it's, it doesn't come along often. And I know that uh, this last game was the My Cause, My Cleats game. And we talked last week about uh, you were going to be supporting Autism Speaks with your shoes. And you also unveiled the sensory rooms at the stadium that you and your family had a part of. And I'd just love to hear a little bit about um, what went on to make that happen and, and what you guys were able to see when you got to tour them for the first time with your son. It was huge. You know, the Glazer family and TSA, along with my family, we got together and put together this sensory room for autism or just for people that have mental health problems overall at the stadium that want to go in and just take a break and gather their thoughts and get themselves together and calm down, really. Some people get a lot of hyper and you can't see that 
in the stadium at a football game because everybody's yelling and screaming. But there are some people that go to games that need that space and that time. And that room is created just for that, not just for Tyson. It's for adults and kids alike to have that type of situation that you really need to go and calm down and calm yourself down. And I think the Glazers really did a great job of coming through with that. That's awesome. And then now you guys are about to face the Falcons for the second time. Um, it's funny how long ago that first matchup feels at this point as the season goes along. What are the biggest things that stand out to you that you learned from that first matchup and, and what is maybe similar or different between the two teams from that last game to now? It's a division game, so it's going to be tough. You know, the things you learn from the last one is you got to make plays when it's time to make plays. You know, it's going to come down to who makes the last play, not who makes the most plays. Who makes the last play to win the game? We made plays, we just didn't make enough of them. And now, looking at this game, I mean, I know you always are going to say every game matters on your calendar, but does this have a playoff feel? Does this have sort of a different feeling, knowing as you just look at the numbers, look at the standings of the significance of this one when it comes to trying to win the division? It's a huge playoff feel. Carolina was a playoff feel. Every game out the rest of the season is going to be a playoff feel. This is a division game. We want to win our division. We got to go through them. Take us through Desmond Ritter and what you've seen in terms of his progression throughout the year and where he might be at now as compared to some of the earlier games. Well, you can tell he's comfortable where he's, where he's playing at right now. He used to just be a runner when he saw something. Now he can throw it. He buys time in the pocket. He understands the offense. Uh, he can take his first, second, third read, check it down. He has a good grasp of it, and he's running it very well. I know the last time we matched up against them, B. John Robinson didn't do a whole lot. He was under the weather that game. So what are the things that now you feel like you're going to have to be paying attention to in the way that he could affect what's uh, asked of the defense? Not just him. They have a lot of weapons. You know, they can hurt you a bunch of different ways. Uh, Pitts can hurt you. Obviously, B. John can hurt you. They got two more. <laughs> Algiers can hurt you. Cordell can hurt you. They got the one from USC. The wideout can hurt you. Number <laughs> five can hurt you. Ritter can hurt you with his feet. Uh, they're playing good football. They're playing very good football. Arthur's using them very good, very well, and they change up every game. So it's going to be a challenge. Do you get excited about that when you know, as a defensive coordinator, is this part of you that when there are a lot of different weapons and a lot of different ways the team can beat you, does that kind of fire you mm -hmm. up the way that almost like a, a DB loves going against the top wide receiver? It's a coaching challenge, you know. It's a, it's it's an exciting challenge, you know. None more challenging than yesterday playing people all over the place. But it's 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 an exciting challenge for the coaches and the players try to rise to the occasion, so they'll be ready to play. And what do you know at this point about how much you might have to be doing that again this next week? Are you hoping that maybe some of the guys are back, or are you thinking that I might have to suit up again next week? Always be ready on standby, <laughs> but we expect to have some of the guys back. Okay. Um, I know that their defense also has really improved since last year in particular, and now they're you know, eighth lowest completion percentage allowed, seventh lowest yards per carry allowed. What are the, the biggest things that stand out to you about the Falcons' defense and, and the ways that they can make things complicated for you? They do a great job disguising on the back end and funneling everything inside. They play good vision on the ball, uh, and they get into the passer. They get into the passer on third down, but those guys on the outside have been playing very well. And how about Jesse Bates for them? This is a guy that is playing the, the position at a pretty high level, and I think he's one of the guys that Antoine Winfield said he most enjoys watching around the league and, and learning from. What stands out to you about him and, and how he can make things hard? He's a ball hawk. He has very good vision. He can bait you into things that you think you have and you don't have, so you got to be careful of him at all times. All right. Well, Coach, thank you so much, as always, for your time. We really appreciate it, and uh, good luck against the Falcons this week. Thanks, Case.
Coming up next on Buccaneers Total Access, we will have assistant head coach and run game coordinator Harold Goodwin brought to you by Advent Health. This is Buccaneers Radio. Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health. Pressure coming up the gut. Matt Prescott goes down. He's sacked for the first time of the game. Devin White, linebacker blitz. Now more with head coach Todd Bowles and Bucs team reporter Casey Phillips. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access. First half of the show, we have head coach Todd Bowles. Now, I am so excited to be joined by assistant head coach and run game coordinator Harold Goodwin, a.k.a. Goody. Goody, thanks for being with us. Hey, glad to be here. How are you doing? Doing great, especially after that win, man. Always love getting a chat with you guys after the wins. Everyone's in a good mood. Oh, so yeah. Better. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Uh, and especially this one, man. It felt like uh, everyone is important. But uh, what do you feel like this one in particular meant to this team and, and just the, the feels, the vibes around the place? Well, obviously, just to get a win makes everybody feel good. But the, the opportunity to get a division win, get ourselves back in the race, and just competing home in front of the uh, home fans was awesome. So uh, we grinded it out. It was rainy. It was cold, a little wet. So uh, just to get a W made everybody feel great after the game. Yeah, I have to imagine as the uh, the run game coordinator, do you like rain games? Because I feel like it makes <laughs> that it's like, oh, we're about to we're about to be using our run game here. Yeah, it started out pretty good uh, before it started raining. We were getting some movement up front, and then once it started raining, guys got a. Wasn't able to get their feet in the ground and finish blocks the same way they were early in the game. But as the game went on, it started to dry up a little bit. We got better again at the end of the game, able to close the game out with the run. So it was awesome. Are there things that when it comes to rain games, are there things that it changes about your offense or ways you try to deal with it? We know both teams are dealing with it. So yes. what are the ways that you try to not let it have a, a negative effect on the offense? Well, just don't really talk about it. You know, just try to <laughs> tell guys to hone in on their technique, make sure they get their feet in the ground so they're not sliding and slipping all over the place and get their hands inside and try to just hold on to the blocks as long as they can without getting a holding call. So we were able to do that uh, third, late in the third quarter, fourth quarter. So we were able to get it going again. But yeah. It did have a little bit of effect on the run game. Um, I feel like we just, even though this isn't technically in your area, we got to talk yes. about Mike Evans. I mean, it's awesome. like, right? <laughs> it's just, awesome. everyone's got to talk about him. Um, tell me just what you saw from him with his game and then, you know, knowing the records that he hit and, and what yeah. that meant for getting a chance to even just as a coach, watch that, be a part of that when that game is happening. It's been fun. You know, I've been around a lot of great receivers, Antonio Holmes, Larry Fitzgerald, uh, Reggie Wayne, but I've never been around a guy that had so many thousand-yard seasons in a row. So it's been awesome to watch. And actually, with so many games left in the season, it's going to be amazing to see what he can do by the time the season's over. Hopefully, we make the playoffs. But, uh, you know, watching where he works, watching the way he makes plays for us, it's awesome to see. That that one long touchdown catch changed the momentum of the game, in my opinion, because I think they had just scored, mm -hmm. and we took the lead back basically on the next play. So it was awesome to see. Got the defense uplifted, got us us uplifted on offense and special teams as well. So it was awesome. He came at the right time. And for you as the run game coordinator, how does having a guy like Mike help what you guys try to do as well, knowing that he's able to just go off on one of these 75-yard touchdowns? Hey, we like short drives. We can throw it and get a touchdown on the first play of a series. That's awesome for us. But Mike helps us in the run game from the standpoint he's an excellent blocker. Uh, he gives effort, which is awesome for a top-notch receiver in the NFL. And then just from a coverage standpoint, a lot of times they have to play – another corner or safety to his side. So it gives us a smaller box as far as running the football. It gives us an advantage. So having Mike out there is a huge, huge plus. And then Rashad, man, um, another great game for him. Yeah. Uh, he was asked to do a lot again, as we talked about with the rain and everything else. Hot. So uh, what stood out to you in, in this game in particular about Rashad? Catching the ball, making plays in the passing game, and obviously getting the running game going with him, uh, getting behind his pass, running with authority and uh, being decisive with the ball. 
these last few weeks, he's been really on one, and it's amazing to see, and hopefully he can continue to stay on that path. I know we saw this game. He had a 30-yard run. Mm -hmm. He's had a 30-plus run now in the last two games in a row. Um, what has changed for you guys specifically when it comes to those chunk runs that are nowhere so important? Well, we need them. You know, they've been hard to come by. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, the last couple of weeks, we've been able to get some. It helps with the rushing total and just adds to the excitement of everybody on the sideline, on the field, of just getting pumped up even more to run the football. But uh, he's just been doing a great job of just being patient and taking advantage of those big holes when he has the opportunity or bouncing the football, which I think that 30-yard run, one of the 30-yard runs came off of, or no, excuse me, that one was inside, but another big run he had came outside on the perimeter where he was able to bounce it. But he's just been doing a great job of just being patient, being decisive, seeing the holes, and just trusting his blockers in front of him. So it's been awesome. In the last three or four weeks, we've been almost lights out in the run game, been very efficient. And uh, as the season's going along, you can see the growth by the old line and the tight ends blocking as well as receivers, especially from the back. So we just got to keep trending in the right direction. We're talking to assistant head coach and running game coordinator, Harold Goodwin. Um, I know that we talked about how incredible he's been doing out in space yes, and in that pass game. When the run game itself was struggling a little bit, mm -hmm. what did that mean to be able to rely on that as well? And, and in your mind, does that kind of do the same thing you'd almost want from a run game and, and count similarly in terms of what the offense needs? Yeah, because to us as coaches and as a play caller, I'm sure there's certain passes that they consider as runs. Uh, with, it's always been that way since I've been in the NFL or coaching. Well, you have passes that you consider runs. You know, you get it out quick, get it to a back in the flat or on a check down or to a receiver, and they go get chunk yards from there. So it's been awesome. You know, obviously, there's ebbs and flow in a game from a running game standpoint, but if you can get the ball in your back's hands or your receiver hands to take over a little bit of the yards you don't get necessarily in the run game, it helps us. And uh, when they start overplaying the pass, once again, now hopefully a run game works. And I know that. For a running back, it, it is all so important, and we saw how good Rashad was at the in-space and making those moves. How do you feel like he's grown when it comes to more of the interior runs or mm -hmm. when he's having to just kind of put his head down and try to do a little bit more of the power stuff instead of yeah. the out-in-space stuff? Well, uh, Coach Pete has been doing a great job with him of just talking about getting behind your pads, running behind your pads. And, you know, we're, early in the year, we're the king of the three-yard run. Uh, <laughs> And now we're starting to hit four yards or four or more or more consistently. But early on, he was running a little high. And Coach Pete's been on him about getting his pads down, running behind your pads, coming out the other side. If you get a three-yard run, if you come out the other side with your pads down, that's a five-yard run. And he's been doing an excellent job of that the last few weeks. And we've been trying to mix it up, a little perimeter run, a little inside run. So he's been doing a great job of reading them all. You brought up the yards per carry. Do you guys have a specific number goal with that? Well, you just in general, you always want to be at four yards or more. But also, you know, based on the dictation of the game and how it's going, we just want to be efficient. So if we have a second and one and we get three yards, even though it's not four yards, that's an efficient run because it gave us the opportunity to get another first down. If you're fourth and one and you get the one yard, that's efficient. But, yeah, in general, if it's first and ten, we want four yards or more. I know that you and Joe Gilbert, the offensive line coach, you guys have been together for a few years now here. Uh, but Skip Pete, running back coach, mm -hmm. was a new addition to the staff this year. What has he brought to the run game specifically and some of the things that he's brought to those running backs? Well, he's coached a lot of great backs in his league, so those guys should have uh, – you know, the in their mind, somebody that he can listen to that's had a lot of great backs, has coached a lot of great backs that have been Pro Bowl players in this league. Uh, Skip's bought, you know, toughness to the group. He's bought discipline to the group. And uh, he just continues to just stay on those guys to be great. And those guys are getting better week in and week out. And we just got to keep fighting to block for those guys so we can continue to have yards in the run game and get this thing uh, going or keep it going, excuse me, on the right track. What are the biggest ways that you've seen Rashad grow since he first came into the league? 
Uh, he's just maturing. You know, obviously it's his second year in the league. He wants to be great. He wants to be a thousand yard back. So, you know, he started to pay attention more to the little things. You know, obviously you come in as a rookie and you just want to fit in and just play and have success. But now he's paying more or attention to the small details, whether it's in the protection or passing game. And I just see the growth in him that way, taking notes in meetings when he comes to the O-line room. He's just growing and he just has a thirst to be one of the best backs in the league. So I appreciate that about him. I've also heard that he, uh, he's almost this honorary member of the offensive line. He's gone to some of their dinners. Yeah. And it seems like he's gone to the turkey time with the O-line event both years. And um, how important is that kind of a relationship between the running back and the offensive line? It's huge because you, you want those guys to know you love them and they'll love you back. So if they feel like you have their back, they're going to have your back. They're going to you know, strain a little bit longer in the running game or protection if he's getting the ball or whatnot to make sure that uh, he's going to have a great game. Because if he has a great game, that reflects well on us as, a, as an O-line group. So how about the offensive line? What did you see from them on Sunday? Uh, try to be physical. You know, obviously we didn't win every block, but we won the majority of them. Uh, coming out of that game, we just wanted to be physical up front. I think the Panthers have one of the best fronts in football. They're actually pretty good on defense. They don't get a lot of credit, but uh, we did a great job of just fighting, competing, playing to the end. You know, obviously, like we talked about earlier, there's ebbs and flow in the game. And, you know, for us, we just had to keep fighting and uh, keep trying to do our job. And at the end, we got the job done. So it was positive vibes at the end of the game. So hopefully, you know, going into this week, we keep the positive vibes and go down to Atlanta and get a victory. And including this game, we've seen a couple games lately where Tristan has gone down, everybody's heart has stopped, and then he comes back in the game. Um, where's his health at this point? And then also just speak to his toughness to keep dealing with something and then being able to come back in a few plays later. You know, at this point in the season, nobody's healthy. Uh, I think he's okay. He came back, I think, the next play. Mm -hmm. It's set out for one play. He's fine. Everybody's got bumps and bruises right now, so we just got to continue to fight through them, do whatever we have to do from a rehab standpoint, and just continue to play and uh, stay on the grass as long as we can. Take us through his move to left this year mm -hmm. and go into, I mean, for some people, it's like, oh my gosh, this is going to be such a huge deal. And other people think, what's the big deal? Either way, it's a tackle, an offensive line. So tell us in your mind, like, how challenging is this switch? And then what have you seen about the ways that he's approached it and attacked it? Well, it, uh, you know, hasn't been the easiest thing for him uh, from the standpoint he's been a right tackle, I think, majority of his football career. So for him to make the change and have the success he's had so far, it's been a blessing in disguise. You know, obviously, I had a first-round pick in Arizona, DJ Humphreys, that we drafted the 24th pick that we tried to switch uh, from what he played in college, and he did not dress or play in a game his rookie year. So what Tristan's been able to do has been amazing. Um, you know, obviously, there's some growing pains here and there, being in run game-wise or in protection from a, being in a stance and just operating from a different position as far as your feet and your hands. He's been awesome. Every day, Joe does a good job with him, just coaching him up, just trying to keep him honed in on just the small details that make him better. But... Uh, it's been a blessing to have him and uh, put Luke on the other side. So hopefully we got two bookend tackles for a long time. And tell us about Tristan's leadership. I mean, he really hasn't been in this league that long yet, but no. especially with an entirely sort of either new or reshuffled offensive line and then just losing a lot of older people that had been in leadership roles these last few years. Um, what have you seen that he has been asked to do or just taken upon himself in a leadership role in addition to moving positions? Well, me and Joe kept, keep trying to press upon him that it's room now. So he's got to take leadership of it, be more vocal on the team uh, as far as a leader. You know, Tristan's not a very verbal guy unless he gets super pissed off, uh, which happens from time to time. But he's been doing a, excuse me, doing a better job of just uh, having more of a voice uh, in the locker room, have more of a voice on the field. And, uh, you know, we just got to continue to keep him in that spot, continue to grow because at, at some point, this is going to be his team totally, especially after Levante retires and, and 
and other people that's been on this team for a while. So it's going to be his team. So he just got to keep preparing himself to be that top-notch leader uh, for this team for years to come. Is that rare for an offensive lineman to essentially be put in the position of being like the guy when it comes to, as you call it, that of his team, his leadership role? Yeah. It, what is what is unique about that in terms of what that means about Tristan and, and the team of, of what he's asked to do? Well, usually people don't like linemen because we're the fat, chubby guys that eat a lot. <laughs> so they don't look at us in a leadership role. But, you know, I think of teams around the league, I think of the San Francisco 49ers for one, uh, Trent Williams, mm -hmm. he is the de facto mob boss of the San Francisco 49ers. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I've had Olin Krutz uh, in Chicago Bears who was the same. He was the leader of the team. So it's nothing new to me. And it's just amazing to see the growth and Tristan that he could become that for sure in this organization one day. That's awesome. All right, we're going to take a quick break here on Buccaneers Total Access with assistant head coach and run game coordinator Harold Goodwin, brought to you by Advent Health. This is Buccaneers Radio. You're listening to Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Todd Bowles and Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. Brought to you by Advent Health. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access. We are here with assistant head coach and run game coordinator Harold Goodwin. Uh, we were talking about Tristan and you brought up Luke's move over to right tackle. Um, take us through the decision to move him there and then how he's handled that going back to kind of his original spot. Yeah, it was just one of those things where, you know, early on last year he struggled at the left guard position, excuse me, and, uh, you know, same old thing, right? Guy's been playing one spot his whole career, and all of a sudden you ask him to do something different. It's just a whole footwork change. It's a hand placement change, so it was kind of awkward to him. Putting him back on the right side, he's been very, very good. Uh, you can see he's more comfortable. He's playing more physical, and he's having more success, and you see a smile back on his face, so he's happy to see that. But he's continuing to get better. He wants to be good, so... We like having him over there. What are some of the areas that you guys have been working on with him or areas that he has progressed in since last year? Just throwing his hands. And biggest thing, and he was fine when he played in college on the right side. Because, you know, the left side, it's all backwards. So you got to switch your brain. you got to switch your feet. you got to switch which hand you throw first. But now being back on the right side, he's able to be more comfortable. It's like riding a bike for him. You know, obviously there's still minute details that Joe harps on him about as far as getting his hands inside, punch timing, set lines, all those things, and not waist bending that he's continuing to work on, but he's getting better. He's seen some good competition uh, throughout this season. He's done a decent job so far. As you guys look at Cody and your decision to draft him, and mm -hmm. again, another rookie just getting kind of thrown in there in, in the fire. We've had a lot of rookies on this team this year getting some serious playing time, and he is one of them. So what are the things that you guys saw from his tape and, and what made you want to bring him in here in the draft? Very athletic and a very physical player that finished all his blocks. He was very aggressive in pass protection and locking guys out and making sure they did not get close to the quarterback. So he's got all the traits you want to see in an offensive lineman, and he's been amazing so far as a rookie. Every week he gets better. I'm just trying to continue to just work on him as far as some of the minute details. Because once again, mostly he played left side in college, and he's made the transition to right. And, uh, you know, there's growing pains, obviously, uh, but he's working to get better. And he has seen some dudes in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, from San Francisco uh, with those guys to Indy with Buckner. Last week he had Brown. So he's seen some dudes and he fights his butt off every snap. Yeah, he wins some and he loses some, but he's getting better week in and week out. As you talk about him facing some dudes, I have to imagine getting a, a rookie like him ready. It's kind of handy to have guys like Vita Vea, you know, some of our own impressive dudes uh, when it comes to training camp and, yes. and preseason. What are some of the ways that you've seen that of our own guys helping prepare guys either on, on your squad that are moving positions mm -hmm. or new to the league and the team? Well, the one thing about this team, I would say everybody helps each other, whether it's Vita talking to Cody or Luke about what he sees from how they're throwing their hands or if they tip anything from a run standpoint or pass protection. 
or vice versa from us on the offensive line, helping defensive linemen on how to attack certain blocks, certain double teams, things of that nature. So it's been fun to watch guys help each other out, but we're growing as a team and hopefully we keep trending in the right direction to get to the playoffs. So I know now also Hainsey, um, a guy who he's the only consistent spot in terms of last year to this year of a, of a starter playing the same place he was, even though last year and this year, I'm sure that wasn't the original plan, yes. expecting it to be Ryan Jensen. So what have you seen from the way that Robert has handled being thrown into this spot, trying to replace a guy that did some pretty big shoes to fill in terms of both the X's and O's and the attitude that he mm-hmm. brought to it? Um, how has Hainsey really attacked being asked to play such an important spot? Football is important to him, so that's what you appreciate about him. He's going to study everything, every piece of tape, every piece of information. He's writing it down that you're giving to him. You know, he's probably more relaxed this year because the pressure of playing with Tom last year uh, was high, and he's probably more relaxed with Baker this year. That uh, you know, you see a little bit of difference in him uh, from the standpoint that he's grown from having Tom and Tom applying pressure. So now. Everything's easy to him because he was under the fire last year. The biggest thing he's done this year is just going out and just play, having fun, being physical, and just making all the right checks for us. Because last year, you know, Tom controlled a lot of things. Not a lot of those calls come down to the center again, which is the way we used to have it in the past. But hazy has been awesome. He's going to continue to grow, become a good player in this league as long as he can stay healthy. I remember when Brady came in, we got to uh, laugh and watch at how Brady has a very specific thing he asks of his centers to throw some uh, baby powder and towels and all no sorts of booties. stuff. No wet booties allowed. Um, has Robert continued this after Brady, or was this not a request from Baker? Uh, I don't think it was a request from Baker. I just think Tom has programmed Hainsey <laughs> to keep a dry boo-boo, and Hainsey's kept up the tradition. And uh, it looks kind of awkward. It looks like he's got a lot of chestnuts or something in his backside or, <laughs> or uh, what do y'all call it, cottage cheese. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, he's continued to stay dry. It was like he was in total panic mode the other day. Uh, when it started raining, like he wouldn't sit on the bench because there was puddles on the oh bench. My gosh. He went at halftime and changed his pants. And he goes through multiple towels in practice, multiple towels in games. It is funny to watch. And he's taking all that, what is it, towel The, the baby powder, powder or, or whatever. Baby powder yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere. So if you're close to him, you're going to inhale that stuff. So you got to get away <laughs> so you don't get cancer or something. <laughs> this is amazing. I love it. Even though it's not a request, he's just like, nope, this is what I do now. Yep. I have been taught this and I will do this forever. Programmed. It's incredible. We're talking to assistant head coach and run game coordinator Harold Goodwin. And then Matt Filer, a new guy that you guys brought in, has dealt mm-hmm. with some injury now and missed a few weeks. Yes. Um, how was he doing uh, pre-injury when he was in there? He was fine. He was good. He's a savvy veteran. Guys played a lot of games over the years. I think, what, nine or ten plus years. So he was good for the room. Very professional. He helps the young guys a lot, and uh, he's just a good guy to have in the room. You know, glad he's here. And then now uh, we saw that uh, Stinney has come in to replace him and has seemed to do a really great job. So do you feel like Stinney has now just won that spot? Is it something where Matt Filers might be coming back? We don't know what really with his injury. Yeah. Do you see it being uh, we just stick with Aaron Stinney or Filer has a chance to get back in there at some We point? just made a coach's decision, uh, you know, with the coaches as far as the coaching staff that, you know, obviously things uh, – we're good with Stanley in there, so we just didn't make a change and uh, left Stanley in there just because uh, he'd been playing well, so you hate to demote the guy, but also the golden rule, too, was you never lose your job because of injury. But uh, we just left it the same, left it status quo, didn't want to rock the boat, mm-hmm. but Matt's ready to go at any point. And how about the fact that, you know, we know Stenny's coming off his own injury from last year that was a really tough one. It had been mm-hmm. a long time since he had gotten reps uh, in a game because of that. And how did you see him be able to come in when Filer went down and be ready to go and, and what he's been able to do knowing how much time he missed? Yeah, he finally got healthy. You can still tell he was a little limpy early in camp, but uh, when Matt went down, he came in, 
has done an excellent job. He's got more confidence in his knee. Uh, does a great job in the running game. He's continuing to get better as far as pass protection, throwing his hands, staying square, that kind of thing. So uh, he's had a ton of growth. He's played football for us. If everybody remembers, he was he was out there for the Super Bowl mm-hmm. run. So uh, he shouldn't be afraid of the moment, and he hasn't been afraid of the moment. That's great. And you know, here we have talked about all these people in new positions or changing over to somewhere else, a new player on the team. And of all positions on the team, we always talk about the offensive line is the most important for the chemistry and communication. And um, where do you feel like you guys are at at this point as a group? And and kind of what are some of the different moments where you saw like, okay, like man, we we got a ways to go with all these new guys. Or, yeah. Oh man, now I feel like we've got this. They, they've got the chemistry, communication. When were some of those moments for you? I would probably say everybody's starting to get comfortable within probably the last month. Um, you can see the uh, the process of everybody, just the silent communication, the verbal communication starting to come together. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, we go back to the glory days. The glory days for me was you had Donnie, you had Allie, you had Ryan, you had Kappa, and you had Trist, where those guys played together for, what, three? I think most of those guys played together for four years before Dot switched out for Tristan. And now to the last two years, it's just been a bite of here, a bite of there. We keep replacing guys. But now we got a group that's healthy, knock on wood, and these guys can continue to play together as we go through this run of the last couple of games of the season and just play well and put us in a position to do some great things here. All right, we are going to take one more break on Buccaneers Total Access with assistant head coach and run game coordinator Harold Goodwin. Brought to you by Advent Health. This is Buccaneers Radio. Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Todd Bowles now continues. Brought to you by Advent Health. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access with assistant head coach and run game coordinator Harold Goodwin. I was thinking about, we talked about Brady in terms of Hainsey and what he was asked to do. Mm-hmm. I've interviewed a few of your guys this year and we've talked about the difference in blocking for Brady and Baker. And they've all sort of laughed about the idea of, you know, we knew where Brady was going to be. He was going to be at that exact spot. spot. Yeah. <laughs> Baker, not so much. And they, there are some, I think, probably pros and cons to both things. Correct. So tell me for your guys the difference in blocking for the two of them. Well, with uh, with Tom, we knew where he was going to be. He's going to sit about 19 yards deep in the drop back pass. With Baker, you just know right now you cannot stop playing until you hear the whistle blow because he may stay in the pocket. He may leave the pocket. It's exciting. You know, obviously, sometimes it works out and sometimes it don't. But it's just good to have a quarterback that can get himself out of trouble from time to time. Not that Tom could ever not get himself out of trouble, but Baker has a little bit more juice as far as escapability. You know, he's gotten some rushing yards for us because he takes off, gets five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten yards. But then, the ten, then again, too, there should be times he just throw the ball away instead of taking a chance to leave the pocket. But Baker's been great. Love having him. Brings a lot of energy to the group. Hangs out with the O-line a lot, and uh, he's been good for our team. And now you guys have Coach Canalison as a new coordinator here. And so, first of all, you had – Again, all these new and reshuffled guys on your offensive line and a whole new system, which is a lot to put on them all at once. Um, What are the things that you've seen about his system or him as a coordinator? How has that influenced and uh, helped some of your offensive linemen out? Uh, I just think that uh, there's not as many drop back passes we had in the past. Uh, We were a huge drop back team. I think we want to say we led the league in passing attempts the last few years, and that's just the way we play football. But Dave's more of a uh, play action guy, run guy. Doesn't put the O-line as much harm as far as having so many drop back passes. But Dave's been great. He's been good as far as showing his vision or teaching his vision and getting guys to buy in. So I love having him around. It's been awesome. And it's also been refreshing just to learn a new offense because I have been in the same offense since 2007. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and then I know that just specifically, what are some of the things his scheme requires of the offensive line in terms of, you know, the zone schemes, this and yeah. that, like some of the things that they are asked to do and how do you feel like these guys have adjusted to it and, and how are they handling it at this point? The biggest thing he brought to us was their version of mid zone, which is a, a concept of an inside zone where we try not to put the tight ends on too many big bodies. 
on the edge. Uh, but for the most part, there's a lot of carry from last year. We run a lot of the same plays that we used last year. It's just that, uh, you know, hopefully we get a lot of totes in games. And it doesn't always work out when we get a lot of totes. But, you know, Dave's uh, ability to call runs in the right time and listen to, uh, you know, advice from me and Joe has helped. You know, he's been awesome that way. So That's great. And you brought up the tight ends. Um, we know that they get asked to do a lot in this offense, particularly Kate Otten, the man that plays 100% of the snaps almost every yeah. game. Um, what have you seen from their blocking ability and the way you guys have tried to work with them when it comes to the run game? Yeah, the tight ends have been awesome. They uh, give you maximum effort. You know, obviously, just like any other position, they win some, they lose some. But they're going to give you everything they got. Kate's been awesome uh, from a tight end blocking standpoint, from a receiving standpoint. And, uh, you know, just his effort and his attention detail has been awesome throughout the season. And I love the rest of the tight ends as well. So uh, just continue to keep growing that group as well as any other position group on this team. And, uh, you know, it'll be good for us. And Chase Edmonds was brought in as a new guy this year. And I know he's dealt with uh, a lot of injury early on in the season. Mm -hmm. And um, so hasn't gotten to see as many games, snaps, attempts, all of that stuff. But what do you feel like he is um, capable of bringing to the run game and when he is asked to be in there, what he is able to do? He has some suddenness. Uh, he, he brings that to the table. Obviously, we hadn't get him, gotten him a lot of totes, excuse me, because uh, Shad's been really hot the last few weeks. So uh, when Chase gets in there, he does a great job, whether it's in protection or running the football, the opportunities he does get. But Chase is going to be a guy we're going to need down the stretch uh, just because the NFL is so unpredictable as far as health. But uh, he's been awesome from Shad and, and Sneak from a veteran standpoint, giving knowledge in that room. So love having him around. Yeah, so Sean Tucker, Keyshawn Vaughn, the other two guys in that room, um, what are the things that you feel like they would need to do or that you guys are asking them to do to maybe get on the field a little bit more in, in areas that you'd like for them to progress? Well, that's just hard to say just based on how the game's dictated and how it goes. You just never know. Uh, you know, if you're number one tailback, feel good. Number two and number three may not get in. So Shad's been doing a great job of staying on the grass. Uh, he's hungry for carries. So, But whenever he comes out, we got guys in the – in the backup position that could be capable of players in this league. So we need them. They're going to be ready to go. So we talked about how big this win was against Carolina, but mm -hmm. uh, I think this next game you could argue is, is almost even bigger. bigger. Yep. So does it feel a bit like a playoff game at this point, just based on the numbers and the standings and how it could shake out? Every game is a playoff game, Case. Every game yeah. here on out. So we just got to play well. You know, obviously we were in a battle the first time we played these guys and made some mistakes that we can't make this time. We're on our home, home turf, so we got to play our best and make sure we don't have any penalties and any mental errors and just play fundamentally sound. We're talking to assistant head coach and run game coordinator Harold Goodwin. Um, what were the biggest takeaways from your first matchup against Atlanta this year? Just missed opportunities. Uh, you go back and you think about I think about some of the runs we had. I think we had maybe three, maybe four calls called back because of holding penalties that were nice runs. Uh, we just got to eliminate that. We played physical. We just made too many mistakes, whether it's penalties or passes dropped or, or misses as far as passes. So we just got to make sure we're on the, the P's and Q's and uh, get this W. And then how are the teams similar or different from each other? I always think that's interesting depending on how far apart the matchups are mm -hmm. that you get either injuries or guys stepping up, you know, yeah. guys kind of struggling, whatever it is on both teams. How does how do you think this game will feel similar or different to the first time? Well, it's going to be similar. Their defense is really sound. They do a great job, uh, the coordinator over there, uh, just, you know, making sure guys are in the right places and giving them the opportunity to make plays. Uh, for us, you know, it's just about executing. Uh, the biggest loss that they have is they lost Grady Jarrett, but they bought in a street from uh, Philadelphia in a trade, and he's just as good. So we got our work cut out for us. We just got to make sure we're good, make sure we take care of Baker in the pocket, and make sure our backs get off to the second and third level in the running game. Yeah, how about uh, the rest of their defensive front? What are the, some of the biggest people or the skills that you see them bring in here? 
Uh, Calais, good. Uh, number 90 uh, that came from New Orleans, really good. I want to butcher his name, so that's why I don't want to say it. Uh, but their front is pretty good. Their linebackers are good. Their front seven's good, and they got some decent corners and safety. So uh, they're going to bring maximum effort. We got to bring maximum effort, and uh, it's going to be a fight. All we need is one more point than they get. I like that. That's, that's very true. Um, so how about the rest of the season for you guys? What would you say are the biggest goals that you have for the offensive line, specifically the rest of the year? Well, my biggest goal is to make sure we rush the ball efficient the next couple of weeks and protect the quarterback. And there's a little goal in the back of my mind. I want to get Rashad to a thousand yards rushing um, and win the games along with that and uh, get into the playoffs and really just can keep trending in the direction that we're becoming a better team week in and week out to give ourselves give ourselves a chance to uh, do something in the playoffs, hopefully. I like that. What are you most uh, proud of for your group so far this year as you look back of like, man, I'm, I'm really impressed that we did this. That they come and fight week in and week out. Um, you know, it's crazy. I've been around this league 19 years. It's not like we're losing these games by enormous amount of points. We're losing these games by a mistake here, or a, stake, a mistake there. And we just got to make sure we cut that stuff out, score in the red zone, be good in the running game offensively, and uh, help our defense out and give them rest. And we'll be fine down the stretch. But, uh, you know, the thing that's uh, been amazing is just like we're not getting beat up. We just got to stop making mistakes and try to give ourselves an opportunity to win these games. And uh, how about when, it, when you talk about these mistakes, where do you feel like in terms of penalties specifically, how have you guys kind of handled that or progressed? What are some of the ways that you feel like you stand at this mm -hmm. point in terms of trying to play clean? Uh, well, Coach Bowles talks about it every week. We talk about it every week as coaches in our individual rooms. And uh, we just got to eliminate them. You know, obviously, when you got third and long, it's hard to make first down. So we got to be efficient on first, second down. When we get chunk runs, they can't get called back because somebody got a holding call. But on the on the crazy side of penalties, it's just guys giving maximum effort. They just got to make sure that they're not tugging jerseys or holding on too long. But, uh, you know, we've done a better job the last few weeks of eliminating penalties. And uh, most importantly, I know that with the holiday season being here, yes, all of the different rooms, mm -hmm. typically you have guys decorated, and by guys I mean rookies. Yes, ma'am. Is, uh, is that something that happens in the O-line room as well? Oh, yeah. I noticed we got a, a Santa blow up now, and uh, it's pretty big. <laughs> it's pretty big. We got a full-size Christmas tree, and we got candy canes. We got Christmas lights. The only thing Cody hasn't done yet, he hasn't put wrapping paper on the tables, which has also been a tradition. Ah, that's a tradition yeah. we have to make every table look like a present. Correct. Uh, is there Correct. A, a secret Santa? Is there a white elephant? How oh, we... that's coming. Yeah. We've uh, we pulled names, I think, a week ago. And what we do is we do a white elephant and then we do a gag gift. So everybody picks a person out of a hat. You don't tell anybody. And then you present your gag gift once we exchange gifts with the white elephant. Uh, coming up here in the next week or two. Oh, that's pretty incredible. And uh, what is, this is something you guys have done multiple years now with the gag gifts? Correct. What in your mind has been the best gag gift so far? Who who kind of takes the cake on that? I don't know if I can say that on the, on the uh, mm. show. Okay, what is the most radio acceptable gag gift that's been given? <laughs> uh, let's see. What are those books with the cliff notes? What do they call them? Uh, cliff note books? The, yeah, or, just cliff notes, I think. Or yeah. Like how to do certain things. Oh, or, the, uh, like for dummies. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's clean enough. I can tell you that one. But 
I've gotten some really odd ones from Ryan Jensen of that course. I can't talk about. And let's just say some things we can't talk about on yeah. the radio. <laughs> that's, the, that's the best gag gifts. Yeah. That's always how it works. Truly the holiday spirit, Correct. obviously, being put in Correct. there. Um, well, Coach, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time. We know the, the schedule is chaos right now. But again, congrats on that win against the Panthers. And uh, good luck this next week against the Falcons in what you said is our first of our little playoff games here to, in the season. Let's get her done. Awesome. And thanks to all of you guys for listening. This has been Buccaneers Total Access brought to you by Advent Health. This is Buccaneers Radio.